Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 50. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? I'm doing well, John. I am good as gold because this is number 50. We are VMware solution engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. A happy uh, 50th episode. Uh, this week, I'm hoping we're taking some well-deserved time to rest and recover after what I'm sure was a hectic and rushed VM world. I hope we met a bunch of listeners that are attending, and uh, I'm sure that uh, one of the two of us won the uh, sticker giveaway challenge. Yeah, we'll have to let the listeners decide that. <laughs> well, uh, on the subject of uh, vacation, uh, it's a it's a timely uh, topic. Last week's episode was the first part of our discussion with Marissa Eckberg about paid time off. Uh, she mentioned that people are way more productive when they're well-rested and using vacation, and that in some places, there is no guarantee that you can actually get paid out for your uh, accrued vacation time. I, that was shocking. It happens, man. I hope that if you're out there and you listen to part one, that you really will consider using that PTO wisely because we all need that that time away. But you know, this is part two, and in this episode, we're going to focus on what is HR? How can you interact with the HR department? Are they angels of death that sit in towers that we cannot approach? How does HR affect company culture? And how can you work with HR to change company culture? Yeah, I really liked her insight on evaluating a company's culture from the outside as well, uh, if you're thinking about working for them or you're evaluating an offer. Uh, I, I never, never thought about her tactic before. Um, I won't spoil it. Uh, you're just going to have to listen. Absolutely. I think it's partially because Marissa's next job is going to be as a detective or super sleuth. But here we go with part two of our interview with Marissa Eckberg. Yeah, so second topic, uh, kind of HR and company culture. Um, I, I know we started uh, touching on that a little bit earlier, but um, you know, from your vantage point, uh, being able to advise you know lots and lots of companies probably over the course of your career on how um, HR is used and, and policies are set, can you talk about how the use of HR can influence a company culture? Or it, maybe I should ask in the first place, like you know, you know, do companies, you know, see significant use or significant influence of their culture, you know, via the, the vehicle of HR? That's a good one. Um, it really, it depends on how senior leadership really views HR. Are we seen as the police and keeping them out of, you know, legal trouble, kind of protecting them from their employees and all of these lawsuits that their employees want to file against them, which is not true, by the way. <laughs> or 
do they see us as, you know, kind of the, the kind of the champions of, of the culture, the champions of, of the team, how to tell them how to interact and manage their employees for high product productivity and to make it a cool place to work. Um, I've seen some, some leadership that's like, we want to make this a cool place to work. Tell us how to do that. That's the culture sweet spot, right? That's an HR professional's like happy place. Yay! <laughs> we get to work on really cool, fun things like unlimited PTO and, you know, doing away with the annual performance review and doing like a four by four or something like that. Um, but then you have kind of these older, more conservative companies that are more about, you know, we have rules, we need structure, we need HR to be the police, we need, you know, that kind of thing. It really depends on how senior leadership views HR and how that kind of makes the difference on what we as HR professionals can do. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah uh, it's so interesting <laughs> because it, as you said that, how senior leadership views HR, it occurred to me just as you said that, that, you know, I've worked for companies where there's a chief human resources officer, but now I work for a company where that, that title is chief people officer. And it's a subtle difference, but it's a very telling difference, isn't it? Like just that title. Yes. I'm seeing a transition now just within HR as far as titles are concerned. So human capital management or people operations or yeah, chief, chief people strategist or, you know, kind of things to take the kind of, cause we, we, you know, in the eighties and nineties, early nineties, we were personnel, right. And then right. we moved to human resources. So now we're adding some, we're trying to kind of move out of that into more of a, okay, yes, they're humans, but they're actually people right? There's, there's a human being, but yeah, it's a person with like feelings and a family and, you know, things like that. So yeah. Human resources. It, yeah. Human resources kind of commodifies the people in just in the title. It's like, I have my, um, compressed air resources and my, uh, my butane resources and my human resources. <laughs> it's, like, exactly. it's, it's stuff that I'm inventorying and the, you know, things that I burn through. <laughs> right. Whereas right. people, you just, just the title change, like kind of, you know, values the person. And, and it's so interesting. I'd completely forgotten about the, the personnel office. It's maybe something that I'd, you know, every time you see in like an 80s movie or something like that about corporate culture, like you hear it referenced and you, and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. That That's what it used to be called, you know, but we don't have that anymore. But, you know, we it's just a an evolution of the role, a constant evolution of the role. Exactly. So, OK, so, um, you, you know, you've told us that uh, maybe the human resources department, you know, the effect on culture that it can have really uh, has to do with the senior leadership of the organization and how they view um, the, the company and maybe maybe even how they value company culture, right? Whether or not right. it is valued. So, you know, maybe awesome. there's somebody, you know, with a title, like a whole separate department called the chief cultural officer or something. But I mean, oftentimes, I mean, I'm guessing that kind of maps to that, you know, personnel or human resources 
or uh, people management um, uh, department uh, mm -hmm. where culture is owned. Um, maybe we can talk about um, ways that individual contributors, when they're evaluating a company, um, clues that you can uh, take a, and figure out about how that company values culture um, versus, you know, you know, there's like speaking, you know, talking the talk versus walking the walk. Is, is there, do you have any ideas on, on how we can evaluate it? Like I, I, for example, I've worked for at least three companies that had like cultural values, like on their website. And then, you know, fewer than that, where those cultural values were talked about, like in a meeting of like five people or less. <laughs> um, you know, as like important things that we need to keep in mind when making this decision, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, any way to evaluate like how, you know, values are, are valued, um, or whether it's just lip service or, um, how important, you know, published company culture is and, and actually, um, executed on. Um, you know, in the day of show social media, excuse me, social media, um, I would check a company's social media pages. See, a lot of companies that are kind of, you know, fun places to work, the employees are going to post about their companies. They're going to take pictures in the office together, right? They're going to post about the company, search them on Facebook, search them on, you know, Instagram and all the all of the, the social media places. Glassdoor is always a good place to go to kind of look and see what people are saying um, about a company. But those are going to be your telltale signs, right? Um, I know that's kind of when I get a new client, for example, I will go search them. I'll go search them on LinkedIn. I'll go search them on Facebook. I'll, I'll follow their Facebook page. I'll see what kind of engagement and interaction that they're having. And are they taking pictures in the office? Do the employees look happy? That kind of a thing. Um, search out somebody on LinkedIn that might work for the company. Maybe look at their LinkedIn. Look at their LinkedIn profile. Look at a few people that maybe have worked for them uh, in the past. Look at someone who maybe have had the same role as that you're interviewing for. Um, see how long they were in those roles. Those kinds of things. I'm a little bit of a sleuth when it comes to those things. <laughs> so I might be a little like borderline stalker, but I want to make sure that my home, my my place where I go 40, 50 hours a week is going to be a good fit for me. Do I want to be there? And I can't just trust what is being said to me during an interview because um, that business wants to look good. They need a person to come and do the job for them. So they might not give 100% honest um, 100% full picture of the job. I don't want to say they're not being honest, but they might kind of withhold some of the hard stuff in that interview. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So you're saying that when you're bringing a client on, especially as part of that evaluation, you know, um, maybe they're going to come to you and say, we want to achieve this. Um, then you can give them a baseline by saying, well, this is how I perceive you after looking at all your social media. So if your goal is to, you know, increase the uh, retention or more effective um, hiring processes, you know, and, and higher yield than the people, you know, your 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 best uh, prospects for hiring, then you need to actually change how your company is perceived. And the easiest way to do that is to change how it actually is, and then document it 
in uh, in kind of traditional <laughs> social media. I mean, I suppose that you know a, a a different like way to do it is to fake it, right? And say, okay, everybody, you know, pose and smile, and then I'm going to put it on our Instagram. Yeah. Page. But but that kind of thing is, I mean, instinctually when we see that, you know, mm -hmm. we kind of get oh, like that's kind of fake, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. So culture is very organic in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, some, some, some believe it can be kind of, it's a top down kind of effect. Um, I view HR as really a facilitator of culture, right? I can't say, Hey, we're all going to dress up for Halloween or, you know, we're going to decorate the office for the holidays or, you know, we're gonna have a cube decorating contest. If people don't want to do that, then yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, and everybody dress up who, who wants to, and we'll take a picture. Yeah. It's kind of, but if somebody comes to HR and says, Hey, we were thinking about like, you know, doing a costume contest and the departments were going to do a contest, you know, it's kind of HR's role to kind of facilitate that go to leadership. And in, in my opinion, go to leadership and say, Hey, they want to do this. It might conflict with a little bit of work during the day. Um, how can we make this happen? Right? Because your employees want to do that and giving them kind of that leeway. I don't know if you guys have ever visited. You, have you ever heard of Zappos? Sure. Yeah. Especially company. Shoe, yep. Online shoe Definitely heard of them. Company. It's been several years, but they pride themselves on their company culture, right? Their customer service is is unmatched in my opinion. Um, and the way they do that is because they have happy employees that want to come to work and want to be there. But I've actually toured their facility, their call center facility, and it is just so much fun. Like it's, the employees are happy, they're smiling, they're doing goofy stuff, they're wearing silly hats, they're just being fun with each other. Um, and the way the the way that Zappos does that is they allow their employees to come up with things that they want to do. They don't force it on them. If that makes sense, they grow it organically, and then from that they create their values. We as a company value this because it's shown in our employees, and then they hire to those values. So they're recruitment process and their interview process is very much about culture fit. We have a culture here and we protect it at all costs. So if you're not a culture fit during the interview process, we're going to ask questions to make sure that you fit in with our culture. And if you don't, you can't work here. And so that's kind of how Zappos does it. Um, there's a really good book out there by Ann Rhodes. Um, I think she worked for, I want to say she worked for Southwest and a couple of really, really big companies, but it's called Built on Values and it's about creating a culture um, based on your values as a company. Um, and again, I'm sorry, I'm getting really off on a tangent, but um, that's just something that I, I feel very passionately about. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I wanted to ask you, Marissa, you know, in the IT landscape, we have this idea of cloud washing, 
cloud is a big thing and people want to talk and wrap cloud around everything. So do you feel like companies are doing the same thing with culture? Like, oh, we have a great culture in an effort to attract new talent, whether they do or they don't? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it is definitely a buzz term or buzzword, right? Company culture. And it really goes back to employee engagement. And when I say employee engagement, that is a connection between that employee and the company and the work that they're doing. Right. So that's that kind of that feeling of, I want to be here. I want to do this work. I believe in the mission and the vision and values of this company. And I want to contribute. I believe that we're contributing to something bigger than us. Right. That's what everybody kind of wants. Um, so that's that feeling of engagement. Um, so having, you know, having the whole free beer fridge kind of thing and the dog in the office and the, you know, the open workspace and, and that kind of a thing is really fun and really cool. And yes, I'm happy while I'm at work, but am I truly engaged in the work? Do I feel passionate about it? So I think we sometimes get confused between culture and just kind of cool things to have or all the newest things that other companies are, are doing and we need to be Google or we need to be, you know, whatever, you know, Silicon Valley company is out there. Um, when primary, primary colors and beanbag chairs. That's all you yeah. need for culture. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And really, we need to be listening to the employees that are doing the work. What are the employees that are doing the work need in order to feel engaged with the company and with what we're doing? I can see that. Like, it sounds like what you're looking for in a healthy company culture is a balance between kind of uh, maybe some top-down values about, um, you know, customer service and, and things like that, and then some like organic values that are an expression of, you know, the employees enjoyment of their time, you know, within the company. I, I hadn't really thought about that before, but it, it kind of makes sense. I, I, and I'm sorry, maybe I'm just putting words in your mouth, but it sounded like those were kind of the, the two things that you were talking about there. Yes. Okay. Yes. So some sleuthing, I, I, that's kind of the takeaway there that if you can, <laughs> if you as a professional, like, um, and the HR, um, industry can do some research just through open sources, you know, what is, you know, how is the company, you know, perceived on Facebook, you know, what is my perception of the company on LinkedIn? What is my perception of the company through, you know, um, them being tagged in Instagram, you know, maybe not their official Instagram feed, but like how they're tagged. You know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I just, you know, did a, a Google search on some of my past employers and the word uh, party. And, you know, you see like, you know, pictures, you know, throughout of like, you know, Halloween parties or Christmas parties. And and then I did another search on, um, uh, you know, my employer name and then volunteer. And you see a certain number of pictures of, of people doing like volunteer work, if that's, you know, for example, important to you as, as a, an expression of company culture. And, and um, uh, it's just, I hadn't really thought about doing that work or, you know, I think I've seen it in my LinkedIn feed is like, oh, here's a picture of us at our, we call it, you know, at our company, we call it service learning, 
right? So almost at every big uh, gathering, we have um, a volunteer project that we call service learning, and inevitably people are taking pictures and and posting on social media. So um, it kind of tells you what's going on, like that you know the employees are kind of organically engaged in you know whatever these activities are. And I hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned it. So <laughs> we, we as individuals, when evaluating a company, whether we want to work there, have the opportunity to evaluate them via social media. Yeah. And I would also say, um, and you, I think you briefly just said it, but what you value. So what do you, I mean, before you go out there and start looking at companies and you know, applying for positions and stuff. What do you truly value in a company? What do you want your company's values to be? I would argue that your values probably need to closely match the values of the company that you're going to be working for. So if you don't know kind of what your what your core values are, what your why is, then, you know, you can't really find a good fit as far as company. That's a really difficult question to um, answer for oneself. Like uh, evaluating and figuring out what your core values are is a, is really difficult, and and it probably is a good idea to take uh, a look at you know just a cross section of what company values are in the industry, maybe that you're targeting on on various websites because you you see some repeating repeating uh, <laughs> uh, themes like uh, you know uh, uh, customer um, you know, a relentless uh, focus on our customers and our service to them, you know, valuing our employees, um, you know, integrity, uh, you know, th those types of things. And, you know, again, whether or not those specific companies actually follow through on those values, you need to, you know, figure out like which one. So those things are important. And then, you know, um, what would be a match? That's, oh, that's fascinating. Thanks well, and this actually plays dovetails really nicely into our conversation from episode 17, uh, part two of reasons not to pursue a career opportunity. We talked about the value match between personal value, professional value, and values of the company. Here's what I'm curious about, Marissa. So if I'm already employed by the company and I didn't really, let's just say I didn't do my homework real well in the yeah. in the early process i've already taken the job i've worked there for a while and maybe i'm not as engaged as i could be but i have an idea of something that you know i i want to change when when do i choose to go to my manager versus hr for some help on how to make that change at the company or to find out if it's even possible um, well, I guess it would depend on what kind of change you would want to make. Uh, let's just say it's something as simple as, you know, we want to have the, the costume party or the, this is some fun new program. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a good relationship with your manager and you feel like your manager kind of has a good, you know, relationship with senior management or HR, I mean, you could definitely have the discussion with them and see, you know, do you think this is a good idea? Should I talk to HR about this? Um, you can always talk to HR about it as well. Um, I, it, I think it's about kind of the way you broach it, right? So don't, you know, kind of walk in there on week two and say, hey, we need to have, 
you know, some culture up in here. Let's, <laughs> this is my idea. You know, you might sit, you might wait for a little while until you're not the new person on the block, so to speak. And then, you know, kind of bring it up and not as a complaint, right? So, oh, this place, we need some, we need some fun in here. Bring ideas, try to think through your ideas, try to think through mm, solutions to the problem that you're seeing and kind of bring it up that way. Hey, I've noticed this and this, or I've noticed that, you know, I have three, I, I, I see three people on the team that I happen to know, you know, uh, practice um, Hanukkah during the holidays and, you know, somebody else practices something else. I was thinking maybe we could have a potluck and we could call it, you know, I don't know, Christmas around the world or holidays around the world. And we could all, you know, kind of do that. And that way it's more inclusive than just, you know, the regular holiday party or something, you know, just kind of bring it as I see this and this is my proposed solution instead of just a complaint. Right. I need to have tunnel. I need to not have tunnel vision and be able to look outside myself to do other people that are individual contributors like me think this is a good idea. That kind of thing. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Would it be safe uh, to say in that, you know, that situation where somebody has a positive, um, you know, suggestion to make that it, maybe it's easier to start with the, you know, direct manager and the individual team. And then, you know, maybe the conversation with HR is once like, you know, oh, we perceived that, for the, you know, that there was a, an issue. We solved the issue on a small scale and maybe we're coming to HR to say, hey, do you want to programmatize this and kind of take it company wide? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it worked for our team. Right. Maybe other teams would like it or department or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, what about, um, going to HR with issues, like, again, maybe, you know, we just talked, you know, touched briefly about, you know, burnout, for example, or, you know, maybe there's like team conflicts. Um, when should employees, do you think, uh, uh, go to HR um, with problems? Like, wh when is the right time to go to HR with a problem? You know, I think that you, you even touched upon it. Sometimes, you know, HR is perceived as being a group that's there to protect company reputation as opposed to maybe look out for the individual. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's true in some places and, and less true in the others. But what, when do you, or how does an employee judge that? Um, I mean, that's a good question. You always want to go to HR if there's a policy violation or maybe there's a law being broken, obviously you would go directly to HR on something like that. But if there's some kind of personal conflict or, you know, something going on with a, with a coworker or something, um, you might try, it, it depends on the relationship that you have with your manager or supervisor. Usually when an employee, when I've worked for a single employer before as an HR manager, if an employee came to me and said, well, you know, this happened in the break room, um, you know, so-and-so called me a name or whatever. Um, my first question is usually going to be, well, did you talk to your manager about that? And if they say, you know, no, I haven't. Okay, well, you know, we can either pull your manager in here or we can all talk together. Or do you feel comfortable going to talk to your manager about it? 
But it's kind of one of those things where you don't want to escalate too quickly. And I see HR as more of an escalation point or your most management will. Um, you know, you don't want to go kind of around them or over their head unless it's something that you don't feel comfortable talking to them about. And another thing I want to I want to add in here about HR, when you have a problem, you don't want that to kind of be your first conversation with HR, <laughs> right? We're people too. We're employees of the company. So if you see us in the hall or, you know, in the break room or whatever, say hi, right? <laughs> like the first words that we hear from you as you sit down in our office and saying, I have a complaint is probably, you know, not the first meeting that you want to have with HR. You want to build that rapport with us first. And if we're a good HR professional, we're going to be out there trying to build rapport with you too. Um, but some of us get stuck in our office sitting at our computer all day and we forget that there are people out on the floor that we can engage with or over the phone. So just a, just a tip from your local HR um, professional, say hi every once in a while. Yeah. Hi, Marissa. I've been meaning to talk to you about this coworker of mine. Uh, I, I happen to podcast with him and I feel like he's really bullying me on the air. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, Marissa, thank you so much for uh, joining us on their journey. Um, I think I learned a lot about PTO, learned a lot about, um, you know, an insider's view on HR and company culture. Um, really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Oh, no problem. Thanks, guys. I, I had fun, too. And Nick, again, I just love that discussion of culture and evaluating it when you're thinking about working at a place and you don't know what it's actually like from the outside. And uh, any episode with a book recommendation is a good one in, in my mind. Oh, and also the suggestion to cultivate a relationship with HR before you need them. You know, that's just great advice. Uh, we use that in other aspects of our lives. And of course, it should apply to our relationship with HR as well. Absolutely. They're just people too. say hi to them. You should say hi to everybody, hopefully. You know, John, what was interesting to me there is in the technology field, we have this cloud washing concept where it seems like everyone is putting cloud in front of things and offering it as, as a service. And when I look on LinkedIn and whatnot nowadays about companies recruiting, they seem to be using their culture more and more. And it almost feels like a, a culture wash in their marketing, but I liked the way we dove into, you know, what is that about? Why are companies using it? And Marissa had some great perspectives there. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, that idea of actually going in and, and, uh, and maybe affecting that company culture and, and one to actually go to, to HR with, uh, issues too. That, that was a, a good evaluation of how it should be done. Um, anything else before we end the episode? Well, you know, if you're out there, maybe you have issues, and it's probably because you haven't signed up for the John White School of Mentoring. 
So if you want to get past those issues, take that career to the next level, send that tweet out to at Nerd Journey today for pricing and packaging. I can take your money and we'll give you some of John's time. We're always adding curriculum. We're, cor- we're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. So farewell listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at V Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios.